right, guys, we are in Lesson 18. We're in Acts chapter 9. Today we're going to look at a man called Saul. And Saul, you know, if you read his letters, he identifies himself as Paul. That's his Greek name. He is, he, he calls himself the chief of sinners. And, and the reason why is because of what we're going to read today. He was a persecutor of the church. And, you know, so, and, and, and he often, and he'll say, a man, in 1 Corinthians 15, a man born out of due season. And, and what does that mean, born out of due season? Well, he, he, he talks about how his conversion was a God thing. Because he wasn't seeking after God. God found him. And that's almost amazing when you think about it. So we're going to look today at his conversion And we're going to look at some things that I think are going to be pretty interesting that you need to realize as we go through this today. So let's talk about the murderer, because that's what he was, the murderer. Let's look at verses 1 to 2, and uh, we'll, we'll look at some things here. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So we're going to look at the whole issue of Paul, the apostle who used to be the murderer. So in verse 1, the word still Notice it says, still breathing. The word still refers back to Acts chapter 8, verse 3. If you go back to verse 3, and it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Okay, so when we get to verse 9, verse 1, it tells us he's still doing this. Because we looked at verse, in chapter 8, it was talking about how the gospel came to Judea and Samaria. Well, the writer wants us to know that Saul's still doing his thing, okay? He's still doing his thing. And Saul continued his relentless persecution of the church in Jerusalem. This guy, when you read this, you kind of come to the conclusion that he has an agenda that is just consuming him. What's that agenda, folks? Yeah, destroying the church, getting rid of Christians. He sees it as a problem in Judaism, okay? He doesn't, remember, when we looked before, remember how the others would see the church and they had respect even though they were fearful of the church? This guy doesn't have any respect. He wants to wipe it out, okay? He sees it as a threat to Judaism. So here's what he does. Verse 1 tells us that he went to the high priest for authority to pursue Christians in Damascus. Now, this is pretty bold. Right now, he's got free reign to do whatever he wants in Jerusalem. But he knows that Christianity has spread beyond Jerusalem, so he wants to pursue Christians in other places. So he goes to the high priest, and he says, uh, give me permission to uh, go and get them in Damascus. Now, so did you understand what we're talking about here? Damascus is located where? Anybody know where it is? Is it in Israel? Anybody know where it is today? You should. It's in the news. Syria. 
Okay, it's always historically been in Syria. So he wants to go to the next country over and, and hunt them down there. That's pretty bold, isn't it? Okay, so he wants to get permission to, from, to, and, and a letter to bring to the synagogue. So there must be in Damascus more than just one synagogue, but many synagogues would be if it's a major metropolitan area to pursue these Christians. So the letter allowed him to arrest and bring back to Jerusalem any who belong to the way. Now, this is the first time you're going to see that Christianity, the church, is referred to as what? The way. Okay? It's referred to as the way. So he wants permission to be able to go and just arrest them, hogtie them, and bring them back to Jerusalem. You say, is he able to do that? Yeah, that's the way things were back then. He's in another country. He can just grab you, take you. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to complain. Okay? Nobody's going to complain. So now we see in verses three to nine, the road to Damascus, because he, obviously he gets permission. All right? Because again, do, you, do the Jewish high priests, do they like Christians? No, so they want the problem to end too, because remember, they've had council meetings to discuss this. How do we deal with this? So here we've got a willing person who wants to eradicate them. So he gives them permission. So notice with me verse 3 now. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Paul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Now he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Wow, pretty pretty dramatic thing, wouldn't you say? And you've got to remember now, is he seeking Jesus? Oh, he thinks Jesus is dead. Okay? So you've got to see what's going on here. So here we go. As Saul journeyed to Damascus, a light shone around him from heaven. First thing I want you to see that happens. There's a bright light that shines around him from heaven as he's journeying. So it's obviously more than just a light because Saul is knocked to the ground and he heard a voice addressing him. So he's knocked to the ground. Could be he could have been knocked to the ground because the animal he was on was reacting to the light, bucked him off, but he was knocked to the ground. All right? Knocked to the ground and he hears this voice addressing him. Wouldn't that freak you out? Do you see a big light and all of a sudden somebody says, Sam, Sam, you know what I'm I'm saying? I don't know about you, but I think I'd be freaked out, wouldn't you? Okay, all right, Saul, Saul. The voice, 
asked Saul why he was persecuting him. The voice asked Saul why he was persecuting him. Now that's got a, that, now that, to be honest with you, think about Saul for a moment. What's Saul doing? What's his job at this point? Destroying the church. Why do you think he's doing that? He thinks he's in a right. He, 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 he thinks the church is wrong. Does he think he's doing God a favor? Okay? In fact, there's other, other scriptures that talk about that Christians will be persecuted, and they'll think, Jesus says in the Gospels, they'll think they're doing God a favor by killing Christians. That's obviously true here with Saul. So Saul sees this bright light knocked to the ground, voice calls out to him, and it says, why are you persecuting me? Now that's going to freak you out if you're the one who's going around killing people. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's going to freak you out. That's going to mess with you. The voice asked Saul why he was persecuting him. So now here's what happened. Saul says, Saul asks the voice who he was. And Jesus reveals himself. Who, who are you, Lord? The word there, Lord, can also be translated master. It means a superior, okay? Who are you? And the voice says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And he says, it's hard to kick against the goads. Now, does anybody know what a goad is? I'm surprised that they still use this in our... Yeah, it's a sharp stick. Does anybody know what what it's used for? Well, yeah, it's also for horses or even herding cattle or sheep. It, it's a sharp object that is uh, used to kind of move people along, okay, move animals along. I, I guess a cattle prod would be about what we would think of it as today because it's electric. But then they used a sharp stick. And so he, he's saying it's hard to kick against the goads. Now, what do you think he means by that? What do you think he means by that? It's hard. I'm, I'm the one you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. What do you think he's talking about there? Think for a moment. What do you think he's talking about? All right, I'll help you. Because you're like, what does that have to do with what he's doing? Okay, kicking against the goads refers to the futility of persecuting the church. Here's the thing. He persecutes the church. Is that wiping the church out? No, if anything, persecution actually what? Causes the church to what? Grow. And so Jesus is saying, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Like, for instance, if you're an animal and you're being prodded by your master with a sharp stick to get moving and you decide you want to kick back, is that going to stop the master from goading you on to tell you to get moving? No, if anything, it might result in harsher, you know, getting a bigger jab. Do you know what I'm saying? Or a big whap over the head or something. Do you know what I'm saying? I've seen Kenyan, I've seen Kenyan tribesmen with their, with their animals, and there they use what they call as a rungu. Okay? It's kind of a long stick. I have one down in the office. It's got a big knot on the end, and they whack him. You know what I'm saying? And if they react, they get a harder whack. 
And he's saying, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. You're, you're trying to persecute the church. You're trying to eliminate it, but you're not doing it. It's futile. It's futile, okay? What's happening here is futile, Saul. Don't you recognize that? It's hard to do that. So what does Jesus do? Jesus tells the frightened Saul to go to Damascus and wait for instructions. All right, now stop for a moment. You know, we could read this. We've heard this all years. You grew up in church. You've heard this for years. I want us to just comprehend what's going on here, okay? Before verse 3, what condition is Paul in? Saul in. What condition is he in? What's he wanting to do? Yeah, he's wanting to wipe out the church. He's, he's dead set on doing it. He's even going to pursue them in the next country, okay? He's on the road to Damascus. He's probably thinking about strategy. How am I going to do this? Which, which synagogue to go to? How am I going to identify them? He maybe even has a list of names. Boom, light shines out of nowhere. Voice starts talking to him, calls him by his name. Who are you? Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Well, you think he's shocked? What you're doing is futile? I mean, think about it. If you, you know, when you get, I don't know about you, but I, my wife says I'm not calm, cool, and collective when something out of the ordinary happens, okay? Especially if it's a crisis, okay? I'm not this German. I, I become, I don't know, something else, okay? Right? Okay. All right. Now, okay. Think about how you are. What do you think's going through his mind? And then you hear Jesus say, go to Damascus, wait there, I'm going to send instructions. Well, he's not just going to listen. I'm, I, what I want you to understand is, is think about what he's feeling. Dude, we often miss this. This is not normal, is it? Because the guy is just a few minutes ago dead set on killing him. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is a traumatic event. Now, to add to the trauma, something else happens. Something else happens, folks, to add to the trauma of what's going on. First of all, would everybody recognize that this is a traumatic event? Okay, traumatic event. So, verse 7, Saul's traveling companions stood speechless because they heard a voice and saw no one. So, first of all, they didn't see anyone. They just heard a voice. The implication is, is that, that uh, Saul did see someone. And he would tell us that in 1 Corinthians 15, that he witnessed who? The resurrected Jesus. That's why he's an apostle. Okay, so they, they just heard, they heard something, but they didn't see anything, okay? But here's what I want you to see. Saul, who was blind, raised himself from the ground. Here's adding to the trauma He becomes blind. Now, would you think that's adding to You see this bright light. You see Jesus. You're like, and then you're told what the, and then all of a sudden you're raised from the ground and you can't see anymore. And they got to lead you by the hand to Damascus. You think you're freaking out? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know, you think this is a traumatic event in his life? 
You better believe it. You better believe it. it is. Now let's go on. Let's look at verse 10 through 19. We're going to look at what happens. First of all, he was led to Damascus by the hand where he fasted for three days. So he's fasting for three days. No food and no water, nothing to drink for three days. Have you ever went through some, some kind of a crisis, you just lost your appetite? You ever, ever done that? Yeah. It could affect you physically, you know what I'm saying? This is obviously affecting him physically. So for no food for, for three days. So let's look at verse 10. Now a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here am I, Lord. Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Now look at verse 13. Now Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. All right, so let's talk, let's look here. First of all, the Lord appears to Ananias in a vision. Now let me stop for a moment. This is not the same Ananias from chapter 5. Okay? Sometimes people say, I thought he was killed. No, no, this is a different Ananias. Think, you, think of it as that the guy's name is Bill. Okay? How many Bills are there in America? Do you know what I'm saying? How many Robs are there? How many Sams? Do you understand what I'm saying? All right? So it's a guy named Ananias. All right? The Lord appears to Ananias in a vision. The Lord tells Ananias to find Saul so that he can find healing for his sight. So the Lord appears to him in a vision, tells him, I want you to go to this street called Straight. That's the name of the street, okay? And go to this certain house, name of a guy named Judas. Again, not the same Judas, but a popular name at that time. And there's a guy there by the name of Saul of Tarsus, and you're to go and... uh, you're to put your hand on him so he might receive healing. All right? Pretty straightforward instructions, don't you think? Now, here's the problem. Ananias objects by pointing out that Saul's reputation for persecuting the church. We're there, right? 
Like, if, if God came to you and told you, I want you to go to the house and you're going to find the murderer there who's got orders to take you and anybody else back to Damascus, what would you do? Oh, I'd just go. No, really? Think about that. I mean, put yourself in their shoes. This is a big request, and he's objecting. Wait, Lord, I can't do that. This guy, I've even heard he's got letters. He's here to take me away. That's just a point here. Do you think God sometimes asks you to do things you don't want to do? I found in my life he often asks me to do things I don't want to do. Usually that's almost a test as to whether or not it's God. It's the thing I don't want to do. It's the thing I don't want to do. So the Lord shares that Saul was, has been chosen to share the gospel with the Gentiles. Saul says, look, don't worry about, I mean, God says to him, don't worry about it, Ananias. I've got a purpose for Saul. He's going to appear before kings. He's going to be my voice to the Gentiles. He's going to suffer much. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. So the Lord also shares that Saul will suffer much for the name of Jesus. We know that, don't we, from the testimony that Saul gives in, the, in his epistles? Shipwrecked many days, stoned many times, left for dead, beaten, scourged. You think he went through it? Big time. Okay? Big time he went through it. So, all right, let me just stop before I shoot. Here's the point. Ananias finds Saul and tells the Lord, tells him the Lord sent him so that he could receive the Holy Spirit. All right. All right, let's talk about, before we get into the particulars here, do you think Ananias leaving, going, and doing what God told him to do, knowing what he knows about Saul, but yet knowing what God told him to do, do you think that's an act of faith? That's what faith is. Faith is trusting the revealed word of God in spite of circumstances or obstacles in front of you. That's what faith is. It's trusting in God. He knows that the dude he's going to could put him in jail, could take his life, but God told him to go. So he goes. He's got to trust in what God says. That's faith. Do you understand? So Ananias finds Saul, tells him the Lord sent him, so that he could receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I think it's interesting, when you look at what's being said there, if you look with me uh, at verse 17, Ananias obviously was told by the Lord what happened on the Damascus road. Look at verse 17. Who appeared to you on the road as you came, the text says. He's telling, obviously he's telling Saul, Saul... The Lord who appeared to you on the road, I mean, that, I don't think Saul's told anybody. Do you understand? But obviously God has revealed that to him, that that's what happened here. He's telling him that, okay? Now, Saul regained his sight and was baptized. So he becomes a believer. 
Baptism here signifies that he took that step of obedience to identify himself with Jesus and ultimately the church. Now, do you not think that's radical? Just the four days before, he's out to kill the church. Now he's what? A part of it. Now he's a part of it. That is amazing to me. That's God. That's God. Now, Saul spent days with the disciples in Damascus. So he ended up then spending days with the disciples in Damascus. Now, we're going to be into chapter 19, lesson 19. We're going to look at the rest of chapter 9, and we're going to see that he becomes a witness then in Damascus.